This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. AutoLine This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Hi, I'm John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine This Week. Today, the topic is all going to be about smart mobility and connected and autonomous cars. And that's because I've got three really experts at the leading edge of what's going on here, and they're all from Canada. And that includes Grant Corville. He's the Vice President of Product and Strategy at BlackBerry QNX. Most of you out there know BlackBerry for phones, but they're way beyond phones at this point. BlackBerry QNX is providing the software that's the backbone for connected cars, and we'll get into more of what that's about. Also joining us today is Mona Aganian. She is the Senior Manager of Automotive and Mobility at the and innovation at AVIN, AVIN. It's the Autonomous Vehicle Innovation Network, which is bringing tech companies together to ensure that the province of Ontario is a leader in this field. Also joining us today is Franz Santalemi, who is the President and Chief Operating Officer of LetterTech, which is a company that makes LiDAR, which is one of the key technologies for autonomous vehicles, but they're doing solid state and we'll have to get into what that's all about as well. So I wanna thank all three of you for joining me today to talk about this technology. Grant, why don't I start with you? Sure. Connected cars is probably going to be transformative from a mobility standpoint, but so many people I talk to about data going in and out of cars Mm -hmm. really get concerned about cyber attacks. And they're, they're, they're definitely afraid of somebody taking control of their car and right. maybe doing nefarious things with it. How do you answer that question? No, it's a good question. And, and so from a BlackBerry Cunix perspective, as you probably know, we're in over 175 million vehicles on the road today. And one of our primary focuses is safety, security, and reliability. That's really why automakers, OEMs, tier ones and others come to us. We've been in auto for over 20 years. And if you think of BlackBerry, what's BlackBerry really known for? One of the things that they're truly world-class expert at is cybersecurity. So if you take everything that we do from a foundational software perspective with a focus on safety, security and reliability, combine that with BlackBerry's expertise and focus on cybersecurity, all of a sudden you can build out this platform that can make your cars more resilient. So you're absolutely right. As vehicles become more connected, that essentially introduces what are, what are known as attack vectors. And really our job, along with the tier ones and the OEMs and everybody else that's building electronic or software systems for the car, is to make that car as resilient as possible to attacks. And that's what we're all working on. So we're working to help vehicles that are already on the road today, production programs that we're involved in where will be vehicles coming up that will be on the road as well as next generation vehicles. And those next generation vehicles, that's where you're seeing real disruption and re-architecture of the vehicle to be more resilient, more automated, more autonomous, more connected. Uh, and that's really exciting. Yeah, that sounds quite interesting. And Mona Aganian, uh, are, are you pursuing cyber protection and everything that you're uh, with what you're working on at AVEN? Absolutely, yeah. So the Autonomous Vehicle Innovation Network, or AVEN, is an initiative by the Government of Ontario, and it's really focused on the future of automotive and mobility. And in doing this program, uh, we're working with several partners across the province and across Canada to really lead the transformation of these technologies and become a leader in terms of commercializing them. 
And in doing so, we're leveraging a lot of the strengths and resources that we have um, as, as a nation and as a province and focusing on specific areas where we have strengths and where they're going to be key issues when it comes to the future of these technologies. So cybersecurity is a great example of that. Um, we're also looking at things like AI and machine learning and how they can be used for these future technologies. Um, we're looking at you know advanced mapping and um, other other kinds of key areas. So um, we're definitely looking at that. And Franz, I got to ask you the same question: Is is cybersecurity an issue when it comes to lidar? Uh, cybersecurity is an issue for the entire industry, not just specific uh, components. Um, what we supply are you know components and software that really enables the vehicle to really uh, recognize and map its environments to detect uh, obstacles, but also free space to drive into and make uh, intelligent decisions on the drive side. So of course, cybersecurity is key. And uh, we, we naturally develop uh, a redundance and safety critical system uh, that is functionally safe. Um, so we do take that very seriously. And so we work early on with our customers to really identify their safety requirements and embed that by design. Mm -hmm. Franz, uh, LiDAR, of course, is a critical technology to getting to autonomous vehicles. LiDAR can see things that the human eye cannot see. But in my experience so far in, in interviewing different people about it, it's very expensive. In fact, last year I went to uh, uh, a student's competition that the Society of Automotive Engineers is organizing uh, with autonomous vehicles. And I asked one of the, the students, how much does that LIDAR on top of your car cost? And he said, $10,000. Now I understand this is you know a one-time purchase at a university and presumably if you get up into greater volume, the cost comes down. But what can you tell me what you're doing at LIDAR Tech that's going to take the cost of LIDAR technology down? Yeah, that's a great point. So typically, my assumption is that that LIDAR that you were referencing is probably a mechanical LIDAR. Mechanical LIDARs are typically very expensive and unreliable. LIDAR Tech, we've only done solid-state LIDAR since we've been uh, founded in 2007. And so therefore, we have a rich history of developing low-cost solid-state LIDARs. Today, what we are enabling with our core components and software technologies is really for a tier one or tier two automotive supplier to develop their own solid state LiDAR. So we supply them the core components that are necessary to assemble a low cost LiDAR. When I mean low cost, today we can enable our customers to develop and deploy an automotive grade solid state LiDAR at sub $500 price to the OEM. And in a couple of years, we'll be enabling sub $300. So mm -hmm. for our customers, which are the tier ones and tier two uh, system makers, uh, price is not an issue. It's really validation time. So over the coming two, three years, you're going to see a quite a large number of, of cars that will be uh, equipped with solid state LIDARs enabled by LetterTech Technologies. Yeah. And if I could support what Franz was saying, I mean, we use the LetterTech LIDAR on our autonomous vehicle or our concept car, which is our engineering test car. And, and we work very closely with LetterTech. And as they develop new technologies, we integrate them on our vehicles. And it's just amazing to see the advances they've made from in LIDAR over just the last few years. 
Yeah, that that's a substantial uh, cost reduction there. And Franz, I'm talking as if everybody out there watching the show right now knows what LIDAR is. Explain briefly what it does. Of course, it's similar to radar, but it uses the uh, light uh, basically to uh, get what to create a 3D mapping of the environment. Uh, LIDAR is important because it gives you a degree of resolution that you don't get with uh, a radar. And so therefore it enables you this three-dimensional view uh, that gives you not just uh, the location or placement of the object on the scene, but it gives you the depth. It also gives you the velocity. Uh, depending on, on how you uh, develop the technology, it, it's easier also to process, so to do the perception that allows the machine to actually do the path planning. This is really what we're trying to do is efficient path planning. Real good. Thanks for that. Mona, you must work with a lot of different companies as part of Avon. That must be difficult. I mean, startups, they don't have a lot of free time to do anything. They've got to be so focused on getting their businesses up and running. I, I got to imagine that trying to get them together is like herding cats. How do you set a strategy as to what you should be doing for the province? And how do you get everybody on board with that? That's a great question, John. Um, a real key focus for the AVEN program is to support small and medium-sized enterprises because you're right, they face their own challenges and they don't necessarily have the resources that large organizations do in order to undertake some of these technology developments. So that's why the program was really designed. And what we've done is convene a network of resources and assets and stakeholders that our SMEs can tap into, which will aid in their commercialization efforts. So we've set up regional technology development sites across the province, and these are in collaboration with post-secondary institutions, um, with incubators and accelerators, with economic development agencies, and with municipalities. And they're all working together to help these companies tap into business and technical supports and access the resources that they need as part of their technical commercialization of, of these advanced technologies. And we've also, um, through the, the support of the province, we've got funding to help commercialize these technologies and help bring them to market. Um, we've also got a lot of testing and demonstration sites across the province, which are providing a really robust place for bringing the supply and demand of these technologies together. So I think all these pieces, in addition to all the strengths that we do bring in Ontario and Canada, so really creating that ideal environment and the conditions where these small and medium-sized companies can tap into the expertise and resources, it's just helping to propel them. Great. And I would say, I would add that we also, you know, in, in one of the things that's not clear to a lot of people is how active the Canadian uh, sector is in auto tech. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, companies like uh, BlackBerry QNX, you know, have worked early on with companies like LetterTech. And in fact, we had no revenue and they were embracing uh, the fact that we had a promising technology that could be, uh, that we could mm -hmm. leverage the access and the strength, and but also the expertise at, at QNX. And so companies like us benefit from having such an ecosystem, the likes of BlackBerry QNX, but I could name uh, Magna, Magna or Linmar and many others, who really do a very good job in incorporating technologies 
that are developed by companies like us into their ecosystem and play the big brother, if you may allow, our big sister. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, they've yeah. played a very active role in our ecosystem and lots of investment. So um, since 2016, over a billion dollars has been invested through these companies in terms of supporting and, and driving technology development here and that um, is really shaping up to be uh, you know, a playing field for testing technologies, for developing technologies and for partnering and this giving, to your point, Franz, the SMEs opportunities to partner with these larger organizations. Yeah. And it's so important. I mean, if you think about what automotive is going through and the disruption in the industry and the transformation in the industry, quite frankly, it's it's inviting a lot of small companies, medium-sized companies from coast to coast and quite frankly, globally. Uh, it's providing such tremendous opportunity to leverage what's happening in automotive. And I think we've got an example of, you know, Avon, which is an absolutely fantastic program as a hub to bring a lot of that together. Companies like LetterTech, for instance, and you have companies like BlackBerry Cunix, we can all get together and focus our energy and, and whatnot and, and truly try to build those technologies that will benefit, you know, the automakers and the industry at large, but ultimately the consumer. So, yeah, it's bringing a lot of companies, a lot of educational institutions together. It's, it's really, it's exciting to see. It is. And you're absolutely right. There, there's a lot of companies jumping into this field right now. Mm -hmm. But Grant, how do you explain that to the average person? How do you make them appreciate or understand that connected cars are going to be good for them? Ah, good question. So, as I mentioned, automotive is going through a, a major transformation right now. And the consumers are telling us early on, consumers wanted uh, the, the consumer-like features, which is where you saw infotainment systems, you saw applications and whatnot. There's still a strong need for that. And now what you're seeing is uh, demand for safety in vehicles, so more automated functions, so lane keep assist, adaptive cruise control, blind spot detection. These are features that the consumers are demanding, and the good thing is the these are features that you're seeing across the vehicle model, so both entry to premium level vehicles. So all of a sudden, you're making vehicles much safer for all of us, which again is obviously good for the passengers, drivers, uh, vulnerable road users, effectively everybody. And then as connectivity increases in the vehicle, now all of a sudden you have the ability to share information between vehicles, which again, you, you might have heard of V2X or vehicle to vehicle communication or vehicle to infrastructure communication. Um, if you get vehicles talking to each other, again, that's more information, environmental information that can be shared. Um, again, sharing with infrastructure, so then you start to get into uh, smart cities and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I think consumers are really looking for that vehicle to be an extension of their digital life. Just as many people have a mobile phone or a smartphone, they want a lot of the personalization that they get with that to extend into the vehicle. And that's where you know connected vehicles come into play. And that's one of the reasons you're seeing that, that big transformation. And that's one of the reasons we made that big announcement with AWS this week. So BlackBerry and AWS has partnered on an intelligent vehicle platform that's going to essentially scale across OEMs and vehicle models, enable a digital ecosystem on a global scale. So the auto the automakers have realized that they need to move the vehicle from this, I'll say, bespoke electronics and whatnot that's arguably um, uh, proprietary to an extent and have that be truly a platform that can connect to the digital ecosystem. Yeah, and, and AWS, of course, being Amazon Web Services. So right. that's a monster that you guys have hooked up with there. That's a big operation. Uh, it is, and we're, to be honest, we are absolutely thrilled. 
that they partnered with us. We, we really, I'll try to keep myself on my chair, but we truly view this as transformational. It's truly what the industry you know, has been, I'll say, lacking is that common platform to bring intelligence at the edge, to be able to run machine learning in the vehicle, never and, and always never losing sight of safety, security, and reliability. And that's so important. And that's something obviously that we're, we're very well known for. And in, within the auto industry, that's something no one can ever lose sight of. And John, I, I would add to that that, you know, from, from if you think about it, there's 1.35 million people that die annually from car crashes. And that does not include the, the casualties, mm -hmm. the heavy casualties. That's the equivalent of one Boeing 737 crashing every hour. That's not acceptable. The existing safety system is not enough. So you need to augment that with technology. Mm -hmm. And as we know, technology has the ability to offer 360 coverage around the vehicle, really create a cocoon, a safety cocoon for the, for the passenger, but also be there all the time in case there's distraction. So the work that BlackBerry is doing with, with, uh, together with, with um, AWS or Amazon and the work that companies like us, LetterTech, that we're doing, you know, you can't look at them as additional gadgets for the vehicle. These are safety critical, mission critical, and they're mm -hmm. going to save a lot of lives and save costs in insurance as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you all. I mean, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. To me, connected cars, V to V, and then ultimately V to X, will be mm -hmm. the single greatest safety measure put in the automobile, even greater than the seatbelt and the airbag, because those protect you in case of an accident. Mm -hmm. Vehicle to vehicle communication, we can prevent accidents from ever even happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, there's so many, uh, with all the sensors, LIDAR and others that are going to make the vehicle safer, to your point, uh, John, with the uh, V2V, for instance, it's one of the main uh, abilities, I'll say, and safety precautions that you have for, say, a blind intersection where one vehicle can't see the other. So even if I have a forward-looking camera, for instance, I might not see that vehicle that's coming perpendicular at that intersection because maybe there's a, you know, a tall building there or some other obstruction. So you're absolutely right. V to V becomes additive. And then there's also some scenarios where it is the best source for safety. Yeah. Mona, you know, we've been talking about uh, how to make all this technology relevant to individuals, the, the, the person out there on the street. Let me ask, ask you about the, the taxpayer. How do you justify all the work that Aben is doing in terms of uh, it being taxpayer funded? And uh, what would you tell the folks out there? That's a great question. Um, so I look at it from two lenses. So first, I think that these technologies really present an amazing economic opportunity for our province and for our country. So yes, there is some investment in the t development of these technologies, but as a result, we are seeing jobs being created. We are seeing money being reinvested back into the economy thanks to the success of these companies. They're growing and they're really putting a, a mark on, on our, our province and our country. So that's the one piece. And then I would say that the societal benefits of these technologies, um, they, they really tell the story itself. So I think the safety that we touched upon just kind of scratches the surface. And when we think about the efficiency of the long run, uh, the opportunity in terms of some of our, um, you know, the way, the way that we operate, the way that we move people, the way that we move goods, I think that's going to be a game changer and really efficient in terms of how we you know, do things differently in the future. You know, we, we can have autonomous delivery pods and we're already seeing them starting to be deployed across the country. And so that's going to really change the way that we 
operate our, our uh, ecosystems and our economies, and it's going to have a big impact um, to the end user um, to have the ability to have your delivery done by a robot overnight, let's say, and um, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, a lot of the, the things that we have to take, um, steps that we have to take, um, you know, it just drives a lot more efficiency. And Mona, how do you make sure that this technology is not just developed in Canada, but is manufactured in Canada and doesn't go off to some low cost place? That's a great question. Um, I, I think we just we need the support. We need that ecosystem and we need the government support to ensure that we have the capabilities to continue to, to do the manufacturing here. So, you know, we've got a long history of automotive manufacturing and the goal for Ontario and we've got the, the backing and the political will behind that is to really continue being a leader in terms of manufacturing. So we want to ensure that we have the tools in place through programs like AVEN, um, through government funding, through those ecosystems and partners and, and working with com companies like BlackBerry and QNX and LetterTech to make sure that um, those companies are, are partnering the right way, that we're driving the technology and that we're continuing to be a leader in terms of manufacturing and taking it one step further and also becoming a leader in the adoption and readiness of these technologies. So we're really working with a lot of uh, municipalities and other partners to make sure that we can be the ones to adopt these technologies. And I think that's really going to reinforce our position as a leader, um, both in terms of developing and manufacturing. And I would add also that, you know, the, the work uh, recently, the APMA, the, the Auto Parts Manufacturing Association, has demonstrated that you can actually build a complete, you know, electric vehicle fully made with components and technology from Canada in Canada. So it's not just about the manufacturing, mm -hmm. it's the value added technology that we bring into it. We're known for artificial intelligence, computer vision. We're known for security uh, and, and um, software and OSs like Blackberry's offering. But we're also known for the diversity and the ecosystem. We have a unique geography that enables us to actually do things that you can't do well in some other geographies. So we've got four seasons. Let's not forget that. <laughs> Grant, as yep. you know, all this connected and autonomous and shared and all that is going to generate a tremendous amount of data. Mm -hmm. The automotive industry and the tech industry is so focused on that because that data can be monetized. Mm -hmm. uh, so my question to you is, what are the opportunities do, that you see at BlackBerry QNX in terms of data monetization? And then the, the most important question, who's going yeah. to own the data? Ah, good question. So how much time do we have? That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty major topic. Um, so firstly, if, if we take the, uh, the AWS announcement we just did, for instance, we don't own the data. We don't even see that. So the data is owned by the OEM today and the OEM um, engages in relationships with the consumer and at the end of the day, BlackBerry does not own that data. And it's interesting with the platform that we're building at BlackBerry Ivy is that the automakers have realized that data is valuable. And one of the challenges they've had is to essentially get access to that data in a common way across their vehicles. And, and what they ultimately would like to do is do this on a global scale. So actually collaborate together to get access to data and then to your point of monetization, it's interesting in the conversations with, with the OEMs that we've had, um, there's a few different elements to it. One is the monetization aspect, 
and that's on an OEM by OEM basis, and many of them have different views related to that. Other, uh, the other one is uh, cost effectiveness or cost efficiency, essentially saving money. So again, if you can get a view safely and securely into the data, then all of a sudden some use cases emerge that are absolutely incredible from a safety perspective, from a diagnostics perspective, from delivering software updates to vehicles to make them safer or to enable new features. So it's, it's very interesting to see that the data that's gonna be generated by the vehicle and quite frankly, that is generated by the vehicle, one of the challenges has been again, how to enable that at scale, get access to it at scale safely, securely, um, and then how do you act on that data? So that's one of the things we're working on, obviously, with the OEMs, but there's so many benefits to it. The OEMs realize that it's a matter of unlocking it. And again, this is where the innovation comes, I'll say, from, uh, I'll say, the, the traditional OEMs, but also, just as we talked about earlier, uh, some of the startup companies, small, medium-sized enterprises, organizations that aren't even traditionally part of automotive. So it's really bringing together, I'll say, automotive and, and um, um, electronics industries or ICT, I, say, I guess, in general. Yeah, we're getting down to the, the end here. But, Franz, I want to ask you the same question. I got to believe that your LiDAR captures a tremendous <laughs> amount of data. Yes. Uh, in fact, we, we have uh, this uh, fusion and perception stack, which is an open architecture that processes uh, the, the data and fuses the data from all sorts of sensors. We can process the camera, the radar, or the LIDAR, or the GPS, or the IMU, any sensor that's on the vehicle. And the issue of data is always important. But what we've learned uh, is that if we have this continuous open loop where we can share the data between the OEM, the tier one, and the technology suppliers like us, well, we make the vehicle safer because we can actually provide this continuous loop of improvement. And so even when the vehicle is in the field, we can actually continue to improve. So what you're going to see in the future is a model where over the air updates to make the vehicle safer, but also improve the performance of the features is going to be a model that's going to grow and ex expand in the years to come. Mona, I got 30 seconds with you on this too, because they say that data's the new oil, and uh, that's got to play right into your tech company's group hands. Absolutely. We've got a lot of organizations who are thinking and, and looking at data. Um, we've also, because of the infrastructure we've set up, so for instance, with some of our test sites, we've got the sensors, we've got the um, ability to capture that data and use that data. That data is important as part of testing, and before we can deploy technologies onto the road, it's important to understand what we're working with. So it's really providing a test bed for students, post-secondaries, small companies to really get their hands on that data before you know they start building the next leading edge technologies. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch. I want to thank all three of you, Grant, Mona, Franz. Very interesting discussion of where this auto industry is going. Thank you Super. so much. Thank Thanks, you. Sean. AutoLine this week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. <laughs>